Bring them out, bring them out, bring them out, bring them out. It's hard to yell when the bat rails in your mouth. Woo! Bring them out, bring them out. 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 Bring them The championship run deep in our vein. The entertainment rolling real cause it's all in the game. To us, you know, around the city doing it better than this. Just say look at this. You can look around who better than this. Nobody. Who your team, the Blazers, the Knicks, the Wizards, the Clippers, the Patriots, the Cowboys, Clippers, Tigers, the Chickens. USC, Gamecock, Shamrock, know what it is, man. Triple left a new podcast. Just join the game plan. Come on, come on. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Fiend Podcast with your hosts, Zay, Young Vander, and Bro Joe. Yo, 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 what's cracking, good people? Welcome back to the best fantasy football podcast on the air, the Fantasy Football Fiend Podcast, presented to you by Manscaped. I'm your host, Zay, the Fantasy Football Fiend himself. As always, I got my bros on with me. Hi to the people, Young Vander. Fantasy Fiends, what's going on out there? And my guy, bro, Joe, holla at him, bro. What's going on, Fantasy Fame family? Yo, we have an excellent show for you today. We are deep diving into one of our favorite topics, making sure that you guys know how to make the best out of the draft and you avoid some of those mistakes that the novices make. This is the first step to that championship. So we're going to make sure that you get started off right. Make sure you join us on Facebook at the Fantasy Football Fame Family Facebook group. Again, that's F-E-I-N for Fiend. We're going to go right ahead and hop into our news. And now your fantasy news. So uh, quite a bit of news is going on right now. Camps are popping off. So that does call for injuries. And that also calls for several people that may be doing a little bit better than expected. A few people that may not be doing quite as well as expected. But it's all news. We're going to kind of go through it to make sure that we are up to date with the happenings of the NFL that are going to dictate what happens in fantasy. So, Joe, your boy is being talked about. Now, Arthur Blank, the owner of the Falcons, said on Tuesday that they feel strongly that Ritter is going to be their quarterback of the future. Now, I don't know what that projects to mean as far as his fantasy value this year, but apparently uh, he's impressing the people that he needs to impress. What say you, sir? I mean, I honestly don't really take too much into camp. Um, And also, I really feel like his skill set, I don't want to put him in that game manager role. I don't want to put him in the Alex Smith or the Tannehill or some of the other quarterbacks that we've seen in, in times past. I'm reserved to just seeing it on the football field this year. I think what's really working for him is going back to what we said before, is that uh, now they have the offensive you know, players around them so that we can really get a good rendition of what uh, Smith's plan is for this offense. I think now, like you said, bringing in the talents, you know, having a Drake London, having a Kyle Pitts, now having a B. John Robertson, and you know, also going in there and get uh, Bergeron, the, the guard slash tackle, to come out there to – you know, already impressive offensive line, but giving it a lot more uh, depth to it. I just want to see it on the field, but you you love his tangibles, right? You like his leadership, his moxie, um, his ability to kind of command and be a leader of men kind of sort of thing. But I want I don't know what this offense is going to look like, but I do. I will say, I think we'll know relatively soon what this is, what kind of team this is going to be. So I want to keep my eyes out. Man. I want to keep my ears out and just and see how it go. Vander, your guy. Michael Thomas is touting his new quarterback, Derek Carr, saying that they are quickly building a relationship and uh, tremendous progress has been had so far. Now, again, you know, it is camp and, you know, you most times you won't hear any bad news unless it's just real bad. And then you're talking about, you know, the beat writers and things of that nature that are kind of putting that out there versus the teammates. But is this what you expected to hear about Derek Carr? And do we think that people may kind of be sleeping on what Carr may bring to the table? I got to see it in game flow. You know what I mean? Everybody look good with shorts on and helmets. The chemistry look real good when you're throwing in the backyard or throwing up to your neighborhood high school uh, field, things like that. So let's see that game speed. You know, one thing about Michael Thomas, to me, he is a quarterback-friendly wide receiver, if that makes sense. True. Yeah, so, um, makes sense. I'm, you know you who know. he reminds me a lot of? I, I actually, we, we were talking about him earlier today. He, he kind of reminds me a little bit of, of of a Mike Evans type wide receiver. You know, big guy can go up and go get it, even if you didn't quite throw it the way it should have been thrown. That that type of a scenario. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. 
I mean, I, I get you. I think he's a little bit more revered as a a better route run than a Mike Evans. Um, but yeah, definitely, I can see that. But you know, yeah, I, I kind of get what you're coming from. Mac Jones turned in a very strong practice on this Tuesday. Now, again, we're talking about camp, but the news coming out of the Patriots camp earlier was that there was a quarterback controversy in that a few of those practices where Bailey Zappi had an opportunity to kind of get in there with the first team, he was kind of showing up Jones just a little bit. So it looks like uh, Belichick is indicating that he does have faith in Jones and that uh, Jones is kind of finally starting to get this new system under his belt. It was also been said that his favorite or his go-to so far has been Hunter Henry. So how are we feeling about this, fellas? Well, you know, I think Zappy maybe, you know, him coming from the type of school he went to, I think he's a little more comfortable with throwing the ball. Uh, maybe this is Absolutely. Bill, you know, maybe this is Bill Belichick listening to his homeboy once more and even getting to Matt Jones. I mean, you see a lot of Alabama players go there. Everyone know the relationship that him and Saban have. So I wonder, is he, was he really a fan of Matt Jones or what is one of those Hey, you need to look at this kid. You know, a friend kind of, you know, referred him uh, to that team. So um, I think more than anything, it was the fact that he happened to still be there at 12 and people were talking about the 49ers possibly going AWOL and grabbing him at two. So we needed a quarterback and that guy was there and he happened to be, you know, like you said, a, a, a saving disciple, if you will. So I think all things kind of came together on that one, to be honest with you. Aaron Rodgers is talking about possibly playing a few more reps than the norm in the preseason. And I don't, well, obviously this is to kind of make sure that you're on the same page before the games actually count. But do you think it'll actually happen? Yeah, I don't see I don't see any way that he uh, takes any reps. I know he's not playing this, uh, this game uh, tomorrow for sure. I mean, yeah, it's only Hall of Fame game. I don't think there's any starters going to be playing, like, especially none of the, you know, the, the, the skill positions, if you will. Oh yeah, I, what I was saying was, you know, I just only, but only, excuse me, it only being three games. I really don't see him getting out there on the field. I know that tomorrow is going to be uh, pretty much Zach, and it's going to be the two other quarterbacks mixing it up. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, if if he, who starts the third game anymore? You know, because they took out the fourth game, who's really going to start the third game? I feel like it's too risky. Anthony Richardson is back at practice. He underwent a nasal septum procedure, but um. As of Tuesday, he was back out there and he took all the reps. So it looks like they're kind of going back towards the, the you know, Richardson being the guy. I know, Vander, you mentioned something earlier in the week when we were talking that a lot of what's going on has to do with Jonathan Taylor not being under tow. So they're kind of using Richardson a little bit more as a piece of that run game do we think that that's going to be kind of like the straw that breaks the camel's back that'll get richardson in there quite a bit earlier than what it would have been otherwise and if not when are they going to give Minshew the reps that he needs to actually even attempt to start if, if he's not getting them now i most definitely think this is uh you know this whole jonathan taylor news has a lot to do with this but at the same time Minshew's already familiar with the offense this also could be, you know, opportunity to get the, the young kid a lot more, you know, reps. But I think, you know, at one, once you lose the best player in your team, then, hey, you got to go with the, the 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 upside, you know, at this point. Um, everyone know the upside that Anthony Richardson brings. And I think, you know, that news kind of got him under center a lot quicker than they may have wanted to. That's just my opinion. Matthew Stafford had a rest day despite being healthy. So beautiful thing uh, for the Rams fans out there. As of right now, Matthew Stafford is completely healthy and they kind of want to keep it that way. So you're making sure that, you know, he's not going to have any elbow soreness or anything like that from reps that don't count. Brock Purdy was uh, fully participating with the starters. So it looks like that, um, that competition, if you will, is kind of come to a close. We've already seen things indicating that Sam Darnold is going to end up being the number two QB, which also may be a clear cut indication that the Trey Lance project may be coming to a close. 
I don't know if he's going to be up for grabs as far as trade is concerned, but the fact that you were drafted so highly and they gave up so much for you, and now you can't beat out Sam Darnold, who they just kind of picked up off the street, like that that's that's very telling. What you got to say about your squad, Bear? I think Trey Lance is uh he he's probably gonna play a lot during the preseason. And then with that, it'll oh, be yeah, probably, huh? you know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it'll be like him uh uh, what's the word I'm looking for? He'll be uh, the emergency guy. No, no, no. For other teams to look at, so he'd be oh, on display. Okay. He'd be on display for gotcha. other teams to look at. You know what I'm saying? And you know, we've seen a few injuries already. Let's see if some major other quarterback injuries happen, things like that. Then maybe you start to see teams maybe make a move, a trade. His trade value is probably a lot lower than what they got for him. If he does get traded, it'll probably be for a mid round pick. Something like that, but um, I think he's going to play a lot in the preseason. He's going to be pretty much uh, auditioning. That's the word I'm looking for. He's going to be auditioning for some other teams. But also, with the new rule that NFL has implemented, they probably will carry three quarterbacks to the season if they are not able to find a trade partner. Yeah, they pretty much implemented that rule for now. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that may be the case. But um, I, I don't know. I might even prefer – to go ahead and trade him and then get another, you know, guy off the streets. It's a, it's a, it's a few guys out there, vets, that um may work out a little bit better if they're called upon in an emergency type of a situation. But we'll kind of see how that goes. Uh, moving on over to running backs, Kendra Miller of the New Orleans Saints is becoming very much comfortable with catching passes. So I think they're kind of grooming him to be the Kamara while Kamara was suspended. We know we did see information saying that Kamara was going to visit the commissioner on today, but we don't exactly know how long of a suspension he may be looking at. I'm thinking probably somewhere between two to six games as far as what they'll actually say he's going to get. And then they'll, you know, appeal it and probably get about half or whatever they said it was going to actually be. But how are you guys feeling about Miller? I think Kendrick Miller has a opportunity to get on the field like very quickly. Um, actually be fantasy relevant. Uh, of course, uh, Kamara will be suspended. I'm thinking maybe four games, but even in those four games. But even though um, Williams is a pretty good um, pass catcher, Jamal Williams is as well. But in this league, you know, not too many uh, Ironman football running backs, you know what I mean? So bell cow guys. So I think he will see the field a lot early. Who knows, man, if, if he goes out there and plays well, then – who knows what they'll do with Kamara once he's back. Maybe he'll be a guy that'd be up for trade as well. He's getting on up there in our age and usage. So based on what we've seen from other running backs, it, it might be about time for that to happen. Um, you know, even some of the younger running backs, hell, Jonathan Taylor can't get a contract. So the odds of them re-signing Kamara are, are, are him not being available is probably pretty slim. J.K. Dobbins has no timetable for return. Uh, Coach John Harbaugh spoke with Dobbins on this Tuesday evening, this past Tuesday evening, but there's no timetable. There really isn't a clear understanding of exactly what he has going on. Um, dealing with an unspecified injury, but it's something to do with a cleanup procedure um, from a surgery that was done last year. They're talking about like removing scar tissue and things of that nature. Um, so Gus Edwards and Melvin Gordon are becoming in increasingly more valuable. I don't know which one of the two would end up, you know, getting the first bite at the apple. But if Dobbins isn't going to be available, Gus Edwards or Melvin Gordon may just be a steal. Guys that you can definitely get later on in the draft and maybe maybe a starter for a good bit of the year. What you got on that, Joe? Yeah, I think with this backfield, I think it's it's three. You gotta look at Justice Hill as well too. So I think I'm I would really watch this a lot, depending on how this go with JK, because Justice Hill played remarkably well too. I think Gus is still a guy coming back from injury. He hasn't been the same since he was the, the past few seasons uh before injury. I think honestly, like it's a three-headed guy, a committee, like you know, which we all gotta kind of pay attention to. I think they're gonna use all these guys equally. Some of how they had Murray. Gus, um, and then was it Michael Davis? I think from the former Panther slash Atlanta uh, Falcons. I think they're going to kind of use them all in tandem 
as a three-headed backfield, my personal opinion. I just I, I wish Gus really came back like healthy, healthy. I think if Gus was like clearly healthy, I think he could probably walk away with it in the sleep though, for real, for real. Ty Chandler had an opportunity to get some reps with the first team, and he didn't do very much with it. Um, Alexander Madison is banged up, so Ty Chandler was the next man up. And right now, the rookie, Dwayne McBride, is actually who, who was a seventh-round pick, which is a part of the reason why running backs can't get paid right now. Um, he was the guy that was actually looking better with the first team. So even if Madison comes back unscathed, Chandler may have lost his position as far as being the backup to Madison. So here's the blessing and the curse of a running back. There's a guy that either is undrafted or maybe drafted in the fifth, sixth, seventh round that may be just as good or better than guys that went, you know, earlier. So this is the conundrum of running back. And you I don't really see a way to fix it, to be honest with you, because that seventh round guy is going to give it everything that he possibly has just to have an opportunity to stay on the team. And sometimes that's more than enough to be the guy. So, you know, Madison is banged up. McBride is giving it his best and making sure that the coaches see that he should be the guy. And I guess we'll kind of go from there. But what you got on that, man? <laughs> yeah, hey, we know you picked him up. <laughs> man, I've been saying, man, this this dude is the most talented running back in this room, in my opinion. That includes Madison. But Madison is the guy there. He's the guy that got paid. And he's not yet to wait his turn. I spoke on this. Can Madison hold up a whole NFL season? We've never seen it done before. He come in, plays in spurts. I mean, Cook, you know, goes out here and there and plays well. But can he hold up for a whole NFL season? And he also have had some injuries himself during the NFL season. So now he's banged up already. Don't be surprised, man, this kid Madison. I mean, this kid McBride, by the time season's end, he's the starter. A seventh-round pick. Javante Williams limited at practice, but he's back at practice. Most people didn't think that uh, at this point in the year, he would even be back out there just yet with the ACL injury that he suffered on at the, um, towards the end of last year. But it looks like he may be able to kind of go into the season with high hopes. As both of you have said previously, it does normally take a little bit of time. Um, we know with J.K. Dobbins, it took him to almost the end of last year, although he was quote unquote looking good in camp. It took him until almost the end of last year to start looking like himself. Are we thinking similar things as far as Williams is concerned, or do we really feel like he may be the exception to the rule? Man, the only exception to the rule is Adrian Peterson. I was about to say Wolverine. Other than, yeah, other than <laughs> that, man, you know what I'm saying? I, I see him, uh, like I said, let's say six weeks, you know, minimum, I would say, you know, to kind of get, you know, get ramped back up and be ready to go. I mean, but Sean Payton is a guy that usually – plays with multiple backs. So I can very well see, you know, Shamar J. P. Ryan, who we spoke on as well, being a good a guy that you probably want to grab early uh, in your drafts. He probably got that plays. And I've been hearing some uh, pretty good talk about Tyler Batty. He's working his way to that third spot, the former Baltimore Raven. So I think uh, Sean Payton would probably end up playing a carousel of backs while Javonta kind of gets his uh, feedback under him. Isaiah Pacheco's on track to be cleared pretty soon. He was still dealing with the hand and shoulder injury. We've seen a few different backs in this Kansas City backfield kind of mentioned as the next man up. I'm Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Jerick McKinnon, and now we have Denerick Price, who is the rookie, who I, I want to say he was also a, a late-round pick as well. All of them are kind of showing up. So does this lend itself to be a full-blown committee at this point? I mean, McKinnon showed up last year. Clyde really didn't show up all that much, but he was hurt for a good part of last year as well. Do we really think that this is going to be a cream rising to the top situation and it'll be whichever guy it ends up being, or they're going to have a role for everybody who's healthy? Yeah, I think it's really good to hear Pacheco might be back. Um, so he's going to be clear before August the 20th. So going into regular season, is, that's really humbling to hear. As far as like the carousel, I think honestly, I like I like McKinnon's role in this offense. I think it's going to continue to be a one A one B kind of split between the two. But I think honestly, this is C A C H versus Daenerik. and that was somebody I kind of pointed out on the show last week was that he's a he's a really good he's a really good player. That boy can run, and his he's almost a clone. When you look at his size, his stature, speed. He's like a Pacheco. You know what I mean? I think one thing that lends 
um, this whole competition in general is that Andy Reid isn't scared to play anybody at the end of the day. I think he's settled on Pacheco, but it good on well. If anything was to come to injury or something was happening, McKinnon, you know, Denegri, he just he's just different. That boy run really, really hard. He's explosive too. I think he's another four three seven kind of guy who's extremely fast. Just somebody who can grow in this offense because eventually, you know, as much as they're not paying Mahomes the most, that you know that commodity and those the additional savings going to come at the expense of letting go of a Ceh or not resigning a McKinnon going the next season with all the talks with Chandler Jones and then other players uh, contracts becoming due. Yeah, real quick, I think CH is going to be on that roster bubble. I can very well see him okay. getting cut. You know what I'm saying? When it's all said and done, uh, they got the Is still on a rookie contract? Uh, yeah, but they because they they denied his uh fifth year option. Fifth year option. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the guy Denary Prince, I mean, he's already getting first team reps the last couple practices. He's said to be a favorite of Mahomes. Okay. As far as catching up, but they say the guy he got a nickname already on the on the team. He doesn't drop balls. Um, okay. So I think he's gonna actually be knocking in on uh, McKinnon's workload as well. So be uh, mindful of that because McKinnon is getting there in age himself. And he's also not a, a stranger to injury. So don't be surprised if he prints, which I think he'll be the starting return man, but also kind of come in on that uh, McKinnon's uh, production. Now we have Malik Davis in Dallas, who is the backup for Tony Pollard. It looks like that battle has kind of been fought and won, if you will. So Malik Davis, the name that we really don't hear very much, he's going to be the guy behind Tony Pollard. Tony Pollard is still nicked up a little bit, so we don't exactly know how much of a load he's going to start out with. Do we think that Davis may be a value, or is he just the guy? Oh, man, it probably depends on – it's going to be a wait-and-see game. I mean, I'm hearing rumblings that the Dallas Cowboys could be a team of interest of Jonathan Taylor, maybe even uh, Dalvin Cook, so – I think Plastico Burris came out and said that the two finalists is going to be the Miami Dolphins or the Cowboys for um, Dalvin Cook. So with that being said, Malik who, you know what I'm saying? He will very well find himself just waiting the wings. Uh, the young kid that they drafted, uh, the rookie. Deuce Vaughn. Yeah, Vaughn. Yeah, Deuce Vaughn. He's been actually playing pretty well. Camp as well. He was kind of, you know, have a little highlights here and there. You know, little baby uh, Darren Sproles, but um, he'll probably get in the mix, get a few little, you know, plays here and there as well. But I wouldn't be 100% sold on uh, Malik quite yet. Let's wait and see how this this dominoes fall, because I can very well see the Cowboys sign another running back. Moving on over to wide receivers, Jamison Williams, wide receiver for Detroit, is pretty much in line to get all the reps in the preseason based on the fact that he's going to be suspended for six games. So, that's kind of par for the course. Marquise Hollywood Brown is getting in more work. We know he had an injury. Well, he he always has an injury, but um, he's looking like he may be okay when the actual season starts. But that's going to be an interesting situation just in general over there in Arizona. They won't have their starting quarterback. Right now, it's looking like Colt McCoy is going to end up being the guy. Then you have your Rondell Moores of the world, Greg Dorch, Michael Wilson, Zach Pascal, among others that are going to kind of be the guys that are filling in with the wide receiver position there. Demario Douglas is a standout right now in camp with the Patriots. So don't exactly know what that's going to amount to during the actual season, but um, he's done a pretty good job in camp. Y'all got anything on that? Yeah, I think uh, with Jamison, I think this is, this is really big for fantasy, like those six games, because he's having a – He's been having a really good offseason. I like all the news behind him and just really the hype about him. Cause I'm I'm honestly starting to drink the Kool-Aid with the more and more I kind of look back on what kind of talent he is and even just the flashes we saw briefly while he's on the field. He just he he's special. He got a special speed to him. He got a special gear to him. And I think I I'm really I'm really excited to see what he does at the next level. And be more concise. Like even just today, they had a, a highlight of him burning past somebody. And this is about five yards, man. This this boy got wheels. It, it's a. I think he got that you know elite caliber speed that we can really hone our hats to. And he's just hungry. You can just tell he's really a tenacious player. Somebody who's really you know wanting to attack football and wanting to get better at football. He kind of understands where he put himself at. Not being able to participate last year uh, due to injury. This year now due to suspension. I honestly feel like if it's a if it's an opportunity to kind of buy low on him, or if you're in a redraft and you can get him considerably late or as ADP. I still want to swing to him because 
when he's healthy, I think he's going to a pivotal role in this offense. And then going over to uh, what Marquise Hollywood Brown and actually bring up somebody that was uh, mentioned on the show, Michael the Wilson kid. Even I still have my my. I'm not going. I'm not going. I'm gonna still double down what I said with this. Um, <laughs> this I'm still doubling down. <laughs> I'm still doubling down with the two season injuries. But he's looked so good. So you know, so far so good. I mean, the competition there without having a Murphy there, without having you know uh, Patrick Peterson, as, you know, as type of cornerback, a dog, so to speak. He's looking pretty good out there. I, I'm, I'm starting to, to kind of like him a little bit. I don't know how I'll get to him in redraft or dynasty, but he he definitely showed out uh, yesterday for sure. Tight ends to round it all out. Trey McBride of Arizona is also hurt. Right now they're saying he's tending to nicks and bruises. He was supposed to be the next man up because Zach Ertz is hurt. So right now, I don't know what they're going to do at tight end just yet. Um, maybe they're keeping him out so that way they actually have someone they can put in the game when the time comes for it. But that's what's going on right now with McBride. Janu Smith should be rejoining practice soon. Um, he's dealing with a minor injury as well. Um, he joined the Falcons as the number two tight end there, rejoining his coach that he had the initial success with, Arthur Smith. Wishing the best for Janu. Hope everything goes well there. And uh, rookie Michael Mayer, according to the beat writers there in Las Vegas, is looking pretty impressive. Uh, he's been making his fair share of catches, doing practice, and it's looking like he's going to end up uh, uh, easy. I won't, I won't say easy to replace, but he's looking like they made a good decision as far as the Waller replacement is concerned. That might be a guy that, you know, if you punt the position you know you get a couple of tight ends at the end of the draft and we'll we'll talk about a couple of different tips and tricks and things of that nature just depending on how the draft falls to you but he may be a guy to you know maybe see what happens week one have him on the tail end of your bench and uh, if he gets a decent amount of you know snaps and a decent amount of catches be someone you hold on to if not someone that you can get rid of no problem at all uh, last tight end to speak of hunter henry right now is emerging as a red zone target for quarterback mac jones and in, in, in general, he's becoming a go-to guy. So 28-year-old uh, dropped a little bit of weight. He's looking a little bit quicker. Uh, he went from like 260 down to like the 240s. Um, so they're saying that they like what they see. They're still going to be looking at 12 personnel with the presence of Mike Gusecki. Um, He's going to be right on his heels. So I can kind of see, you know, it was one of those, well, let me get right before I get left because Bill Belichick don't have a problem moving on from anybody. Do we kind of feel that Henry may end up being the best receiver for the Patriots? Um, right now, it's going to probably end up being between him, Gasecki, and Juju. I mean, I could very well see Henry probably being the red zone guy and maybe Gasecki being a 20 to 20 guy, chain mover. Same thing for Juju Smith-Schuster. You know, they probably move the chains. And when they get close to the box, then you probably see a lot more Henry. Uh, real quick, while we're on tight ends, um, one you didn't mention, the kid in Buffalo, man, Kincaid, it seemed like he is as advertised um, for what everybody is saying. Everybody keep mentioning Travis Kelsey 2.0. I watched him in, in, in camp. This, this dude, can, he can really run some routes, man. He he is, he is a smooth little brother, you know what I'm saying, playing tight end. So I could very well see him uh, being a weapon as well. Just like you said with Mayer, he'd probably be one of those guys you could probably draft near the end and not go tight end early. Lastly, we have a melancholy happy trails to a guy that was supposed to be one of those dudes. But O.J. Howard has been cut yet again from another team. So he can't even be the Raiders' backup, which says a lot that you're getting beat out by the aforementioned rookie already, and they let you go. Don't know what happened there, but he was supposed to be one of them, and it ended up not working out. So that happens sometimes as well. Well, let's go right ahead and hop into our draft strategy. All right, good people. So one of our favorite topics to speak on is draft strategy. We all do things slightly different. However, we kind of still agree as far as certain aspects of the draft is concerned. And we kind of have a system that we've put in place that will give you a little bit of clarity on what it is you want to be looking for, no matter what the round is, things that you're going to want to consider. So the fantasy guard system. So 
essentially what happens is if you keep your guard up during the draft, then you're going to be in pretty good shape. And you just have to make sure that you're working the wire, doing trades, things of that nature to make sure you stay in the game because injuries do come. Certain players don't work out quite the way you thought they would. But none of that should matter if you get off to a good enough start and you pay attention to us and to what's going on on your individual teams as the year goes by. So fantasy guard, the G, game breakers, U, upside, A, age, R, role, and D, depth chart. So we're going to start out talking about the first part of the system. Vander, explain to the listeners why it is that regardless of the round, regardless of what conventional wisdom may be, you want to look at who the game breakers are and kind of have them high on your radar. Well, these are the guys that everybody knows, everybody in your league, the most popular. The guys are going to be moving, going to be easy to move. Um, also, the guys that's going to bring you back more players if you trade. And uh, these are also going to be the guys that everyone is asking for on your team. These game breakers, these are the guys that's going to, I'm not going to always say these guys are going to win you, your fantasy league, but they will get you in the playoffs. You know, these are the guys that's going to get you there. Absolutely. Um, and with these guys, um, you, you just don't want to get cute. You know what I mean? I see a lot of people early rounds, and, and if you have a favorite or a sleeper, you don't pick those guys early. You know what I'm saying? You kind of want to grab these game breakers if they're available. You know, one of the things I like to tell people is, let the draft board fall to you. And by letting the draft board fall to you, these game breakers come into play. Grab these guys because these are guys that are going to take you to the promised land, but also can help bring you back a pot of gold uh, as the season goes on. Absolutely. One of my main things as far as game breakers are concerned, as you just mentioned, they might not win you a championship, but they can win you a week. So we're talking about guys like your – uh, Justin Jefferson's of the world, your uh, Cooper Cups of the world when healthy, Jamar Chase, um, it's running backs that can just go crazy any given week. Your, you know, your Chubbs of the world, um, and, and he's one of the most disrespected game breakers out there as well. They're just they're the guys that at the end of the day, if they go off week one, you can probably get double what their actual value is for the rest of the year just because they were able to kind of tease what could be what could happen throughout the season. And th there's several others that uh, come to mind, but th these are your guys that on any given week can give you anywhere from 17 to 25 points, if not more, just depending on the situation. So those are your game breakers. You want to get those guys first, regardless of what their name is, regardless of what their position is, and you kind of go from there. Now, Joe, you have anything to um, – you have anything to speak on as far as game breakers are concerned, or you want to go ahead and hit us up with the upsides? Nah, yeah, I really touched on game breakers really well, so I'm just gonna go into upside. This is my favorite. You already know I, I shot for upside all the time. That's that's my bid. But really, I consider upside is just you know taking advantage of opportunities to a player. Whether we're looking at Alexander Madison and the situation with the Vikings. Whether we're looking at a player uh, that can take the next step due to injury or just someone who's just coming into his own right as far as a player and having that potential to, to pose a breakout, right? I think upside, to me, I always like to leverage it when making trades is just trying to be ahead of, of the curve a little bit, kind of seeing where things gonna where things can move with players and where somebody can, you know, at the you know, end of the season have more value than somebody you're holding on to. So upside to me really is something that you really got to favor. I say after the draft, because I think you always got to attack value during the draft, but also see upside in the later rounds, whereas, you know, somebody might not be as high as a player or they might forget that somebody's in the top offense or somebody has the opportunity due to the lack of depth at certain positions to take that next step. Upside is it's just something I lean heavy on in my strategies. Uh, and it's something that's going to get you through the season as well, too. Being aware of, those situations as far as the waiver wire and knowing, hey, you know, I mean, this guy's out doing an injury this week or, hey, I'm, this is a bye week for me for some of my players. Let me go to this player that can win that has the best individual matchup where the team is going to be in a high scoring game to kind of leverage those opportunities to take advantage of those players. So upside is like one of my favorite parts of the uh, guard system. And to just expound on that just a little bit, 
upside is the potential for a favorable outcome that's going to result in a player outperforming where you were able to draft them. For instance, one of the players, in my humble opinion, that has the highest upside this year is wide receiver Calvin Ridley. I think he has the upside to be a top 10 receiver. But where you're going to draft him at, it's going to be after most of the people um, that you know, your your league mates are considering to be your upper echelon wide receivers are going to be drafted. So that's an example of how someone can have upside. And that just basically means that they're more likely than others to kind of outperform where it was they were drafted. Uh, Barry, you got anything on uh, upside before we move yeah. on to age? Yeah, also a quick one, really. I think as we get closer to the season starting, he's going to find himself raised. He's pretty much rising on boards. Um, all the talk and noise come out of camp saying how he's looking. Uh, what you see today will not be what you see tomorrow. You know, yesterday's price would not be today's price Correct. when it comes to a guy like really. But one thing about the upside, you want to chase it at the end of your drafts. We just talked about the game breakers, right? You got the game breakers, the guys, the guys that you can count on from week to week. But at the end of the draft, these upside players, if the right thing happens, the right injury happens, these guys can – you know, come out of nowhere and be number one guys. I remember Zay, he was in a league maybe five, six years ago, whenever it was, Od- um, Odell Beckham Jr., rookie season. He was on the free agent list in the league we was in late yep, in the season. And then he just went nuts at the tail end of the season, won the league that year. So you kind of want to chase the upside guys at the end of the draft. We just spoke on a guy maybe like a, a Daenerys Prince, you know what I'm saying? Maybe a Sky Moore, someone – if a right injury happens, these guys can hop in the maybe a McBride. You know what I'm saying? Right. If right injury happens, Madison goes down. He's now he can possibly be a RB one because he's in a in a in a, a hell of an offense where he have a lot of opportunities to score the football. So now you just got a guy for at the end of your draft who yep. can probably be RB give you RB one production. Now guess what? You have game breakers already on your team. Now you're getting game break scoring from a guy that came out of nowhere to add to what you already have on your roster. So now your team is crazy. So definitely want to chase those upside guys towards the end of the drafts. And to give you an example, last year, both Vander and Joe were high on Isaiah Pacheco, who was basically available to be had with the very last pick of your draft. And then you had a guy that in a pinch, if your starting running back got hurt, you had a guy that on any given week can put up running back two, running back one numbers, and you paid nothing for them. So those are the type of guys that you have to keep in mind at the end of the draft. And we won't leave you hanging. We're definitely going to give you who those guys are as we start to see things develop throughout the rest of the offseason, which is rapidly coming to a close. Next up in the guard system, we have game breakers. We have upside. Age is up next. So, with age, it, it's irrelevant. When you're talking about a quarterback or something like that, age isn't really that big of a deal. But what we've seen as it pertains to, let's say, for instance, let's start out with the wide receiver. Unless you're a Jamar Chase or unless you're a Jefferson and some of those guys, what we've noticed is that when you get to year three is when a lot of these wide receivers really start to put on their big boy pants, right? So that's not necessarily the tongue-in-cheek age per se, but the amount of time in the league that it kind of takes a certain position to fully understand everything that's going on in the game and the game kind of slows down for them. As far as QB is concerned, we've seen QBs from the youngest of the young all the way up to Tom Brady being 45. Age doesn't matter quite as much there as the situation, um, I would say, matters a little bit more there. But with running back, we've seen that some of the older running backs, you know, w- once you hit that, you know, 26, 27 age range, they don't get better than what they were previously. Not to say that they can't have a Cordell Patterson type of a year or a couple of years, but we also have to look at the lack of usage that he had throughout his entire career. So he had a little bit more tread left on the t- uh, tires. But even then, towards the end of the year, he was kind of slowing down a little bit and age was showing. So with your running backs, the younger, the better. They they normally get used heavily um, while they're pretty young. And then as they get a little bit older, they get kind of, you know, thrown out in the pasture. So 
that's how age somewhat plays a role, even with your tight ends. We've noticed that tight ends, they they unless you're one of them, it's gonna take you, you know, two, three, sometimes four years to really develop that that grown man muscle and, and the ability to just kind of deal with everything that a tight end has to do because essentially you're both a wide receiver and a guard. So these are some of the things that we've been able to kind of glean over the years of playing fantasy football um, as far as how age can kind of take a part in what you want to look at as far as the draft is concerned. What you guys got on age? You know, age is one of those things I really don't – I pay attention to by position, of course, but sometimes it doesn't bother me. I think you have a stud, a really stud player. Sometimes you don't really be bothered by the age. Like if you look at a guy like um, a Derrick Henry, you might not be bothered by his age. Yes, he's approaching the, the scary hours of therapy. And everybody's like, you know, this is where the fall happens. But we've been saying this about Derrick Henry for the last two or three years, right? Oh, he had 400 carries this year. It's over. And he comes out and do it again. Oh, he had it 400 this year. I know he's going to be done. And he do it again the next year. So a guy like him, I wouldn't bet against. Year two receivers, always good to draft, you know, age. If you see somebody coming, year three on the tight ends is usually pretty decent as well. So it's like you also want to catch that breakout before it happens. I know even like Joe, he speak of a lot of players. And sometimes even on here, we all are a year too early. So he'll say it like this year, then next year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we've seen that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you, after he hit the, you know what I'm saying? Hit the ceiling. So those are kind of guys that you want to, you know, look at, you know what I'm saying? The ones that's about to pop before it happens. And usually with receivers, it could be year two to three. Tight ends is usually year three. Also, with certain running backs, you want to watch out for the decline. Um, and it usually doesn't happen suddenly. You can kind of see if you do your right. research over the past couple, like say things like a Zeke Elliott. You start right. to see yeah. the years as they come. It start. It was like a step kept stepping down. So those are guys you do want to avoid in your drafts um, when it comes to the running back position. Yeah, and then lastly, what I'll just say too, I, I think with age too, it all depends on format, right? Because even in a redraft, I think you really got the age out of the window when it comes to redraft. Look at players like a Cooper Cup, a Tyree, a Devontae Adams, who are 29, 29 and thirty. You know, in that in that that elk, right? I'm taking them any day. I don't Absolutely. get. <laughs> I'm taking that value any day in my sleep, and so that was also uh, Vanda's point. I think you can't really let age dictate productivity at the end of the day. Because the floor is going to be the floor. You can have a stud player, you know, and that's what it seems like. But what is his floor? What happens if it's, it's injury? Agreed. You know, yeah. what kind of adverse, you know, effect is he going to have on the entire offense? I go with the the tried and true. And that's why I'm learning, too. I got my my breakouts and stuff like that. But you got to have those players, you know, on your team to really take you to a championship. You got to have veterans. Completely agree. The only distinction that I'll make there is when you're talking about wide receiver, it's a little bit different. They can go, depending on the wide receiver, they can go into their 30s and still be putting up, you know, the same or similar numbers from the age of that 27, 28, 29 type of year. So it's a little bit different, though, with running backs. Um, I know we speak of Henry, but there, there aren't very many other running backs that are game breakers close to 30 years old. Um, and that may have a little bit to do too with the usage that Henry had. Um, I want to say his rookie year and maybe the year after, maybe it might've been three years. I can't remember, but I know DeMarco Murray was there and he, they, they basically ran him into the grounds. So they didn't run Henry into the ground, but those are um, a few things that you have to look at as well, because some people aren't as old in football years as they are in actual age. And if I'm not mistaken, now, correct me if I'm wrong, y'all, because I know y'all kind of keep your ears to the ground on college a little bit more than I do. But didn't Henry not get quite as much run or there were other running backs that were in front of him for most of his college career? Didn't he only like really, you know, get put out there like one year or so as far as college was concerned? Or am I tripping? Yeah. So with uh, Henry, I think if I'm not mistaken, uh, God, I, ha- I think I can pull it right in front of me, actually. One second. I know, like, because with, with the how they have their backfield, it, it just varies. Everybody plays for, like, one season, two seasons. I think he actually played uh, one season. I, th- I, th- I thought so. Out. Well, what you're speaking, though, like, his first couple years, yeah, that's when they had all the guys there, you know. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. What's my guy uh, who's played for the Ravens this past year? You said for like, the Ravens? Like, 
Um, yeah, like Ken, Ken and Drake and all those Drake, guys. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah, yeah. But that last season, oh, they rolled his back. Yeah, but that's what I'm you saying. Know. Like, like, like a lot of running backs, like say, for instance, the J.K. Dobbins. He he was the starter for like three for um three years. The age and the usage can kind of be a distinction there as far as running back is concerned. But what thing about Henry though in the country? He the guy really just take care of himself. That too. I mean, yeah. In college, in high, let's, if you take all the way to high school, they was he they was running this dude in the ground in high, since high school. His last year, at Alabama, I know he had over four hundred touches. That's running and receiving. You know, over four hundred touches in the season. That's ridiculous. Coming to the NFL, and it's kind of the same thing. And it's always been that way since he's been playing the game of football. Uh, but he is a guy that really he kind of like a Le, to me he's like the LeBron in this football of the running backs because the dude Got just. You. He really puts, you know, money into his body. And you see it every year. That's what I'm saying. I know he's approaching 30, but the dude hasn't shown any sign of slowing down yet. Like, even though we've seen – I mean, look at Zeke. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And Derrick Henry has been touching the ball way more than him. I mean, it's just – Not initially, because Zeke got ran through his first couple of years. Like, like that's, no. that's the difference. Like, like yeah. Marco Murray kept – Henry from having that workload in, in, in his first couple of years. Yeah, first two or three years. But, I mean, if you look at the last, we had 349 carries this past year. Mm-hmm. He got hurt the year before, but he was on pace to have something like 400. Yeah, it's stupid. <laughs> the year before that was 378. The year before that was 303. You know what I mean? So, But what I'm saying is he's average, average four and a half, right at four and a half yards a touch, you know, last year. and. So he's he's pretty much doing what Henry does, you know what I mean? Like no, I mean you make perfect sense. I completely agree with you, but he's the exception, I would say, not the rule as far as running back is concerned. And one thing also I want to say about Henry, um, even though he's a big guy, he doesn't run very violently until he gets going. And once he gets going, then you Hard know, to down. you know what I mean. But you think about like the the bigger guys, the bigger bats, they more. Henry's not a bruiser at all. Kind of running vertical, trying trying yeah. to run through. He, yeah, he, he's not a bruiser. To be that, he's already to a two two fifty, like two forty something. Something in there. He's not a bruising back, but he's a big back. You know, it's hard to bring down. So I think him not being a bruiser and um really taking on, you know, just trying to run everybody over every play, has probably done well for his body as well. Having to take a whole lot of uh, beating. And that pretty much wraps it up for age. Let's go ahead and go over to the role that these individuals play. Um, I know running back is very uh, stout as far as this particular category is concerned. And what I mean by that is, as many times you can get a guy who's going to have a particular role that may not even necessarily be the starter, but because of the road, he's still going to be consistent. One of the names that comes to mind from my favorite team, the New England Patriots, is James White. James White was never the starter, but he was actually more likely to be consistent than who the starter was because of the role that he was going to play. And that role didn't change from week to week as the role for the, the starting guys would. So anytime we were in a third down situation, anytime we were you know, behind in a passing situation, he was going to be out there and he was going to be heavily used. Uh, we saw that when we kicked the crap out of the Falcons in the second half of that Super Bowl. Um, he was the go-to guy because we had to pass the ball for the rest of the game. So the role that a, a player plays, um, and even with, like, say, for instance, your uh, wide receivers, we'll see guys that aren't necessarily the quote-unquote upper echelon of talent, but if you're in a PPR and they're going to get six, seven catches a game. Maybe it only ends up being, you know, 50, 60 yards, something like that, not even a touch now. But that guy just got you double digits, and he might not have cost you nearly as much as your upper echelon, you know, type game breaker guys. So as much as you need game breakers, you also need the hold it in the road guys, and you can find a lot of these hold it in the road guys based on their role. Um, One of the guys this year that comes to mind, we know that Antonio Gibson is not going to be first on the will not be first on the depth chart, but he's going to have the role of the passing, the pass catching back. And what we've seen from Eric Bieniemy in past seasons, you had a guy like Jared McKinnon who ended up being an RB two. I think he ended up being like um, running back twenty, 
and you could have gotten him in the latter parts of the draft. So knowing a player's role, especially when you get to the mid and late rounds, is vital because while other people are just scrambling for names, you're getting value. What you guys got on, on the role that a player plays? Now, this is my one of my favorites. Um, this is all about this is the real detailed research guys that really win their leagues with this one. Knowing who the play, who the coaches are, who the coordinators are. Yeah. Facts. This is when role really plays a you know, the everybody speak of the Shanahan, the zone running scheme. I don't care who the running back is, he's money. Facts. You know what I'm saying? Like right now, you know, everybody's paying attention to the um Brian Billick going back to I say Brian Billick. What's his name? Which team? New uh New England Patriots offensive coordinator. Oh, uh, Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien. I'm talking Brian Billy. <laughs> Bill O'Brien. Now that he's going back to New England, everybody's thinking about the 12. Right. And yeah. That's what's going on right now. So it's just like knowing people's tendencies, coaches' tendencies. Bijan Robinson, people losing their mind right now. We spoke of him on the show. We we say what kind of play he was, what kind of prospect he was, but he lands on the right team. He got author. He got a guy that's known for running the ball as a one of the better offensive lines in the league. And he's been rising up boys like crazy. I mean, I seen some people want to pick him first. You know what I'm saying? It's getting crazy now. So right now the consensus ranking on him is he's the eighth player off the board. So that's including, you know, wide receivers and running backs. And, and as much as they, they put more footage out of him running routes, it's just going higher and higher. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But um just knowing uh these tendencies of these coaches are really gonna help you out when it comes to these roles of uh, players. Sometimes you got to know who the name is. You just got to know what the position is. So it's not about the name. It's what the position is on that team. And real quick, just like um, the coach at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Bowles? Ty Bowles? No, one before him. Um. Oh, uh, Big Red. Arians. Um, like Arians, yeah. like Arians, right? So, again, role, knowing that the type of offense he had where he liked to get vertical with the ball, that was key. We just spoke on it, right? Jameis Winston. 30 touchdowns, 30 interceptions. People say he had a horrible season. Top five fantasy quarterback. You know what I'm saying? Because he was in that Bruce Arians offense, he threw for 5,000 yards. 5,000. Pushing the ball down the field. That's what the game is about. So sometimes it's all about just knowing coaches' tendencies. And it's not about the name. It's about the position in that. So that's what role is for me. Yeah, and I'll just add lastly, I think personnel is the last thing to kind of take advantage of in roles. To looking at wide receiver in particular, if you notice teams that favor 11 personnel, right? That's what we was always talking about with teams like the Rams, teams like other teams. So many teams do 11. Uh, Vikings, it's the Rams. Don't the Chargers do that? Chargers run plenty. You can just have a bevy of players to kind of get more exposure to. Look like a guy like Joshua Palmer. Who would have known due to injury you could kind of lean into someone based on his role to kind of project him, not just as a slot receiver, but as an outside receiver due to injury. Um, and just kind of lean yourself to having that flex player. Look like a, now like teams that's in position with three wide receivers like a Quentin Johnston now. Somebody's going to be asked to play uh, play in a slot and play on a team like the Chargers with a uh, Herbert. That might be an added value for someone to – a quick flex, a quick uh, wide receiver three – that is tremendous wide, you know, upside, but his floor is already mitigated to him having a role, you know, in that offense that's heavily featured. So I just want to throw personnel groupings in there for someone who favors the tight end or someone who likes wide receivers. And last up, we have the depth chart. Vander, I know that uh, the depth chart is kind of your bread and butter and kind of how <laughs> – um, in many cases, you get the guys before people realize that that was a guy that you needed to get to. So go ahead and speak on um, how depth chart plays such a role as far as the draft is concerned. Depth chart is, man, this have won me so many leagues. Um, I can attest to that. <laughs> knowing who's next is so key, right? Especially if you're in uh, leagues like mine. Well, Leagues I've been in the past where it's been no waiver wire. Uh, if you're watching football live and you see an injury goes down, right? And you see Pat Mahomes goes down and he's holding his knee and it looks bad. You're sitting there, you're thinking, oh, damn, who's the backup? I know who the backup is already. You know what I'm saying? So knowing the depth chart of these teams is going to really help you when it comes to grabbing guys quick, especially when it comes to injury. 
these handcuffs for a lot of teams. Of course, people know the popular handcuffs. It's been Madison for years, you know, guys like that. Certain, uh, maybe like an Elijah Mitchell. Guys that know certain handcuffs, but certain teams, people don't know who the handcuff is. And this way you can, you know, win your league, be the guy in your league, knowing these depth charts. And I have a website. I'm going, I don't want to give it out. I really don't. <laughs> Do it for the listeners. Because <laughs> I, I got many of my n- nemesis that listen. But if you check ourlads.com, that's ourlads, that's O-U-R-L-A-D-S, this website changed the depth chart in real time. Okay? So it's not like the depth chart. You go on these websites, maybe ESPN or whatever, NFL, and it's going to have, you know, no. If something happens now, give it about five minutes. They'll change it. You know what I'm saying? So ourlads.com is one of my go-to websites when it comes to knowing who's the starter, who's up next for, for all the teams in the NFL. So try that website. That will help you a lot in winning your leagues. And like I said, it's in real time. So you don't have to really guess. You go there, you know exactly who to grab. You know who's the backup quarterback when David Carr goes down. When Tua go, when Tua gets hit across the head in week three and he's out for the season, you know exactly who's next. You know, I know already, but for some guys that don't know, go to this website, it'll help you out. Hey, don't um <clears throat> also give them the little jewel of what you do midweek in late game. Oh man, damn. <laughs> All right, so this is one of my tricks of the trade. I, I'm not, I really don't like to share it, but I have, I'm obligated to. Everybody know about Thursday night football. One of the tricks I always do with Thursday night football is two teams playing. And I'm, I'm probably going to have an empty roster spot, maybe two roster spots on my team, or I have two guys that I know if I drop them, nobody's going to touch them. Um, so before the game starts, I will go ahead and pick up the backup quarterback and the backup running back for a team. And just hold them and watch the game. If nothing happens, I drop them and get my my guys back. But if an injury happens, I'm already ahead of the game. And I've gotten over a lot doing that. You know, it could be, let's say, the Dolphins versus the Falcons. And I know Mike White is the backup to Tua. And Tua already has a history of getting concussions. But when Thursday night happens on Wednesday, Tuesday, I'm already got Mike White on my team. So if the injury happens, everybody rushing to the waiver wire and I already got them on my team already. So I'm already ahead of the curve. After the game, I don't want Mike White anymore. I drop him. So that's kind of like a little trick I'll do. And it depends on how your league is set up. My league was set up where, you know, you can sign and, and drop, you know, as you will. Um, so that's one of the tricks I used to do on Thursday night games as well as Monday night games because Monday night games is the same thing. If there's a running back that I know, like a Derry Henry, I'll make sure I have that backup, you know, when it was Haskins and guys like that waiting for injury just in case something happens, I'm already ahead of the curve. And with those players, you can maybe turn it to goal later if you want to trade or if you have a hole at that spot, you can play them. And that's all based on knowing the depth chart. Joe, you got anything on depth chart? Yeah, I think depth chart is something that really is a good hobby to get into uh, going from year to year because you find areas of opportunity. If you notice – as free agency and things progress, the you know players that are taking the next spot, going into the next position, it really helps you a lot. Like going into the next season, projecting who's going to be what, who's going to do what. Like an example, like Adoran Smythe is somebody who I'm targeting a lot in redraft because not a lot of people know him because of Kiseki. But just watching him and kind of following him play, that's the starting tight end for the Dolphins. And long behold, if we're following the trend of what two is supposed to do. And knowing the role that Smythe had in the offense, he really did really well being like an intermediate. Uh, intermediate. I always get that word. I think about intermediate, <laughs> like faster, and then intermediate. But he's a really good route runner. That really was the re- like the ultimate decision as to why Gasecki's no longer with the team. They just gave him a two year extension, and if you look at the depth chart of who's behind him, it's a bunch of nobodies. It's like getting Tyler Conklin with the Jets two years ago before they went and got Uzuma last year. It's just a free person that's going to be a fantasy producer at tight end. But it's just knowing the depth chart, knowing who's up next, having an idea of their skill set because leverage wins going from year to year when you don't have to worry about spending a draft pick on somebody, you go through a draft and they're a free player. Or somebody before the season begins, you can just pick up 
you know, on the waiver wire for free. So just always pay attention to depth charts and get an idea who's what, what's their skill set, well, how many yards they put up, because you just never know when they're going to, you know, be asked to go on the field. And that pretty much wraps it up for the Fantasy Guard System show. As the weeks go by, we're definitely going to get into the guys that kind of fit into the system, the guys that have the major upside that you can kind of get at the tail end of your draft. We're also going to give you the actual individual strategies that you can kind of adopt based on how the draft comes to you, such as your zero RB or heavy wide receiver or early round QB or late round QB, just depending on how you play or depending on how the draft comes to you. So make sure you don't miss any episodes between now and the start of the season, because now is when we're going to be giving you the gems that we couldn't give you earlier because we didn't exactly know how things were going to quite shake out yet. But now is the time to lock in. We have the Hall of Fame game coming up real soon, uh, tomorrow, actually. So, hey, football is here. It's go time. Let's make it happen. Until then, we out.